hello and welcome to Locked On Lease Podcast. I am your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1015 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow me on the show as well at Locked On Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a rating and a comment as well. The whole nine uh, will be uh, will be hosting a giveaway once you receive 50 reviews. So get those in. Let's win some prizes. Uh, so today it's game day. Game three between the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jackets going to go underway. So uh, probably going to keep this a little shorter of an episode today. I got some things that I got to get done uh, before the game. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to preview it and then have a discussion about um, Jake Muzzin and uh, how much he will be missed. So we'll start there. So just an update on Jake Muzzin. He's going to be out for the remainder of the series against Columbus. Uh, So he will not be back with that injury that uh, he suffered with just a couple minutes left in Game 2 where he ended up getting stretchered off the ice, spent the night in the hospital, um, but is back with the team back in the bubble. So, uh, you know, because of that, one would assume that, you know, if the Leafs do end up going through and defeating Columbus, he should be good to go to return for uh, the second series. Um, This seems to just be kind of a precautionary thing. Uh, But... Regardless, no Muzzin is going to be a tough task for the Maple Leafs, to be quite honest with you. You know, he missed 16 games in the regular season with injuries, and the Leafs only able to win seven of them. So, you know, a less than 500 record when Jake Muzzin is not in the lineup for Toronto is not ideal. And you, you think what, what, about what Muzzin brings to the team. You know, he brings that tenacity, that grit, that playoff winning uh, mentality and you take that away from this team, and there's not much left of that type of player. You know, like, a good thing they went out and picked up a guy like Kyle Clifford because, you know, he is a guy who's out there. He's rough. He's rugged. Came from the the L.A. Kings, so he's got a winning mentality as well. But there's a lot more that are going to have to step up now in Muzzin's absence against a team like Columbus specifically because they do play hard. They play a solid uh, defensive style game. So this is going to be a, it's a big loss for the Maple Leafs, but I still believe they can overcome it. This isn't a, a series defining injury where, you know, he goes out, he goes out and that's it. Um, someone's going to need to step up. And to me, that's going to have to be Travis Dermott. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, but uh, in practice, you know, it's been confirmed now that Dermott will move up to the top pair with uh, Justin Hall. So that's going to be your shutdown pairing. Now, this isn't the first time that we've seen this pairing. If you can remember back when Muzzin was injured back in January, February-ish, Dermott did go up and he did start to play some top four minutes and play a shutdown role next uh, next to Hall. And... There were some ups and some downs, you know. I thought that he looked good on some nights. It didn't look so good on others, you know. It's it's um, it's a big, tall task. Like, at the end of the day, when you go from playing sheltered third-line minutes against, you know, bottom six players to all of a sudden you're thrown at the league's top players, you know, it's an adjustment that's going to have to be made. And that's something that, you know, Dermot's going to have to do. Luckily, um, as we've been able to kind of find out here throughout the series there's not that much offense on Columbus so uh, it may not be as <clears throat> difficult as if you know Dermot was going up against you know Tampa's big boys or Boston's 
or or Pittsburgh's or even Florida, since they have some really, really high-octane offensive players on their team, Huberto, Hoffman, Barkov. Columbus just doesn't have that. So in a way, I, I, I believe that Toronto can overcome it, and a guy like Dermott will be able to fill in um, as needed. Is he going to be able to bring the thump that Muzzin does? Maybe not. And I think that's where you know, you're going to have to get that from somebody else within the lineup. Which brings me to my next point. It seems like Marty Marincin is going to play tonight alongside Tyson Berry as uh, as the defense, the sixth defenseman who's going to slide in for Muzzin. Um, obviously, you weren't going to play Muzzin on your top pair with Justin Hall. We've seen that before. I think it worked for about a, a game or two, and then it was darn awful afterwards. So um, that <laughs> Sheldon Keefe wasn't going to make that mistake again. Uh, but bringing in Marincin, I think, is probably the best bet because you know I would expect for Marincin to, to fill in for Muzzin on the penalty kill. He's got that size factor so he can go in and he can lay the boom and he can bring that, that tenacity, that Muzzin, uh, that the team's not going to have now with Muzzin because I don't want to put that all on Dermot. I don't think he is that player, although he can be and he can be a pretty stout uh, defender I still think that Marincin is the guy who's gonna who, who's gonna bring the size so it's gonna take more than one guy to fill in for Muzzin's shoes um, one other thing that Keith kind of hinted to today was that he could go with a seven defensive unit and Rasmus Sandin could make his playoff debut tonight that would be interesting I think um, Sandin's a guy who again in the absence of Muzzin and Riley when they were both injured back in January um, in February Sandin was somebody who kind of he got the call back up to the NHL and he stepped in and he stepped up and he, I thought that he played pretty pretty well actually um, in, in his second go around in the NHL and you know with the time off maybe he also you know, has the opportunity to take another step in his game. He's going to be somebody who we're going to have to lean on next season, I believe, and he's someone that's going to be a part of this a part of this team going forward. So, you know, I would, I would, I would, I would welcome maybe going with a seven-man unit today, and then it'll just kind of be a committee to try and fill in for Muzzin's absence. But you know what? The Leafs can do it. They have the boys that could do it. A good nucleus. Um, with you know players that have a good head on their shoulders, and at the end of the day, I think when you look at Columbus, you know they're not the biggest threats to score. So when you lose a defenseman, I don't know if it's uh, if I feel like the thing that I'm going to be missing most about Muzzin is his ruggedness, his willingness to get in front of pucks, uh, his penalty killing prowess. That's more of the things that I'm going to be missing, but when it comes to, you know, just flat out playing defense uh, in his own zone and being a shutdown guy, I feel like I can trust Dermot and Hull to shut down, um, you know, the top six, either top six line in Columbus just because they're not that great to be quite honest with you. I mean, they've scored one goal so far through two games. So, And even that goal was an absolute muffin. So, I mean, you know, they're not the most lethal team out there, and uh, I, I wouldn't be so worried about, about that. Um, but just to get back to the whole seven thing, 
if that were the case, that means that one of the forwards is going to have to come out tonight, which I believe could probably end up causing Pierre Engvall his spot once again, which I would find interesting because I thought he actually played pretty well in Game 2. I thought that he gave them a nice spark, played with some speed and some pace, laid a couple of hits, had a couple of shots on net. You know, I thought that he, he, didn't, he doesn't deserve to lose his spot um, in the roster. I thought that he definitely showed that you know, that line could be a little bit more dynamic. They got double the amount of ice time as well than in Game 1 when Freddie Gauthier was the fourth-line center. Um, but regardless, I think that just the fact that Keith is going to want to keep some guys fresh and try and try some new things on defense to try and uh, get guys to fill in for Muzzin, it may come at the expense of a fourth-line a fourth line role, and they'll probably end up being a guy like Pierre Engvall who ends up losing his spot, and then they'll just kind of filter in guys through the wing, through center, maybe Spezza moves in, and then a guy like, um, you know, Kapanen or, or Mikheyev or, or Nick Robertson ends up taking some shifts on the fourth line. Maybe they end up putting somebody else there, but uh, that, that could happen tonight. I would expect to see all 7D and a guy like, like um, Engvall out there on the ice uh, to start the game just for uh, during warm-ups, and then we'll probably get our, our decision after warm-ups and to see who Sheldon Keefe decides to play. Um, okay, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much going to do it. So for Jake Muzzin, I think at the end of the day, big loss for this team, but they can overcome it. I truly believe they can overcome it, and uh, we'll see. We got game three going down tonight, and we'll preview that one on the other side. All right, welcome back to Locked On Lease Podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you. Uh, game three going down today, a four o'clock start, I believe, actually, uh, on. Um, on this Thursday afternoon. So that's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a good game. I'm excited for it. Uh, the Leafs desperately going to be wanting to get this win because if you go down 2-1, well, now your back's up against the wall and you're going to need to win the rest of the games to win the series. That's what a five-game series is. Sorry, tonight's game's at 8 o'clock. I don't know why I thought it was at 4. Tonight's game is at 8 o'clock. Is the game on Friday at 4 o'clock? No? Did it get moved? Anyways, okay, game's at 8 o'clock. I don't know why I thought it was at 4 o'clock. Um, so an 8 o'clock game tonight, uh, going to be gonna be a good one. Um, again, I think this is, it's not must win, but it's going to be important. In, it's now just a three-game series. So if you can get this one game here, then that gives you two more chances at winning the series afterwards. Whereas if you lose tonight... You, it's must win. You're do or die for uh, for the last two games of the series, and I think that one of the biggest differences between tonight's game from Game One and Game Two is. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, my microphone ended up becoming unplugged, and uh, at some point throughout that, it ended up changing to the computer speaker, which is why. The sound ended up getting a little muffled and distorted a little bit, but I realized it about now-ish through, I suppose, and switched it. So let's get back to it with a little better sound quality for the rest of the podcast. (laughs) 
Columbus will technically be the home team for tonight's game. And you say, well, they're playing in Toronto, so realistically, does it matter who's home, who's away? Yeah, it kind of does. And the reason for that being is whoever's the designated home team will be able to get the last change um, for the faceoff. So I think that's going to be a big difference because, you know, I think game one and game between game one and game two, there was better line matching by Sheldon Keefe being able to get Austin Matthews on the ice without Seth Jones as much as possible um, at five on five. Matthews was only on the ice with Jones for just over six minutes um, of the the 22 plus minutes that Matthews ended up playing in game two. Whereas in game one, they were kind of stuck to each other. And and it seemed like Keith was trying to just uh, Keith wasn't trying to get away from Seth Jones. He thought that Matthews could take it. But then I think he quickly realized, let's just get try and get Matthews on the ice against a different pairing because you know let's get our big boys away from him um and tonight it'll be a little more difficult to get that matchup now without the last change you know if he sends Matthews out onto the ice well John Tortorella who do you think he's gonna go to hey Seth Wierenski you're out there so uh it's it's gonna be a little bit different in that regard uh I think it's gonna be important for um, Matthews to have a pretty good game. The thing is, though, is they they did play a little bit better in game two against that line because once again, I thought that their the physicality really did pick up in that game, and uh, Seth Jones wasn't as much of a factor because um, I don't think he he realized. All right, I guess I can't just be a straight up bully. Uh, for this team <laughs> against this team so um, we're gonna need to to hang back a little bit and uh, the least we're able to capitalize and and really play a lot better and they just kept peppering Columbus in the offensive zone too so there's a lot of good things that went through in game two and game three however without that last change um, you know the advantage goes towards Tortorella's way and because Torts and the Blue Jackets were able to win game one against the Maple Leafs when the Maple Leafs had the last change. I, I think that Toronto is going to have to, they're going to have to split one as well now in order to, to force a game three, or maybe if they win this one, they can win game four and then they won't have to worry about a game five. But um, I think that that's going to, could potentially play a factor in tonight's game. Although that being said, as long as the depth scoring picks up and, and John Tavares has another great game like he did the other day, maybe Marner wakes up and, and he gets on the board um, in, in tonight's game. Um, you know, Mikheyev still looking for his first goal. Um, oh, I believe Mar- Marner's been moved up now. Um, you saw that kind of happen midway through game two or in the third period or so with Marner moving up on, uh, on Matthews and Hyman's line and Nylander sliding down to play with Tavares and uh, Mikheyev. So, you know, that stuff's going to happen. You're going to have lines, a bit of line juggling going on. Um, it's 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 important in a, in a series like this, and I think that uh, it worked in, in Game 2, and they'll probably keep with it in Game 3. But I think if that Matthews line ends up getting shut down again like they were in Game 1 uh, because Seth Jones was, was on him like white on rice, then I think that uh, I believe that Tavares and Nylander and Mikheyev are going to have to step up. And I think they can because we saw how much better they played in game two. I expect for them to replicate that play in game three. You also got the third line who could also do some damage with Kasperi Kapanen, and Kerfoot and Nick Robertson, who's still looking for his first career NHL goal. Um, so, 
you know, the team, Toronto can come with you in waves. So uh, although the advantage goes to Tortorella and the Blue Jackets for having the last change, I still like the Maple Leafs because they are able to outmatch them on pretty much every single line. Like line for line, the Leafs are a far better team. So um, it's going to be a good game. I'm excited for it. Uh, something else that I think could happen tonight, I think Corpus Allo could fall apart. Um, you know, game one, he was unbeatable, ends up with a shutout, and then finally got beat for a goal. Um, the Austin Matthews getting it past him, kind of opening up the floodgates. Uh, Tavares scoring as well in the uh, in the third period. And I think tonight, now that the floodgates are open, and they believe that, okay, he's beatable, we can get past him, I think they'll wear him down because he's faced a lot of rubber. Lots of it. You know, he was um, he faced 37 shots in Game 2. The Leafs were in that zone a lot in Game 2. I think here in Game 3, you know, he's gone out and he's been Columbus's best player through two games. I don't know if it's sustainable for him to keep going for the rest of the series. I think eventually all this work is going to wear on him. It's going to get to him. And I think tonight, he may fall apart a little bit, and I think the Leafs will be able to put up multiple goals tonight um, as the floodgates are now open, and guys like Matthews, Tavares, let's see, Nylander, maybe Marner, you know, Hyman still looking for his first goal of the playoffs. I think tonight could be a night where we see an explosion of goals, maybe even in the series, because you think about Freddie Anderson, he's been unreal as well, um, coming off a, a shutout, a 20-save shutout the other night against Columbus, and you know, I think that maybe, you know, it could be a higher scoring game than we've seen through the first couple of games, just because we're a few a few games into it now, and, and to expect three unbelievable starts in a row from both goaltenders would be a lot. So I'm thinking that we could see a, quite a few more goals scored tonight, probably from both ends, but I'm thinking that Corpus Allo, uh, specifically may kind of turtle a little bit tonight. All right, um, let's get into the three keys to the game tonight between the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jackets. 8 p.m. Eastern time, puck drop. Um, key number one for me for the Maple Leafs is going to be that they're going to have to be physical early. Think about game two. Kyle Clifford hits um, Dennis Kukan, and it really set the tone for game two. You know, I felt that teams were out there finishing, like the rest of the players were out there finishing checks um, and, 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 you know, really playing a much more physical game when they were going in for puck battles. It seemed to be that they were, they were the ones coming out with it, um, especially in the offensive end. You know, I think that they're going to need to keep that killer instinct again and keep finishing those checks and going hard into the boards you know keep their 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 nose on pucks um, and play the blue jackets hard wear them down throughout the game I think that's something that is going to be a recipe for success for Toronto that's usually how playoff hockey needs to be played anyways and I think that you saw that the Leafs can actually do that um, although they're built on speed and skill I think that they have guys who are not only have the speed and skill to play that way, but also they're pretty heavy, heavy players, and they can play hard defensively. You know, I think you got players like um, Zach Hyman, um, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, McKayev, 
you know, those top six players can also play a stout, hard defensive game. And then you get Kyle Clifford out there. He plays himself, you know, seven or eight minutes, and he goes throwing his body around and making his presence known. Um, someone's going to need to fill in the defensive void and the grittiness void from Jake Muzzin, whether that's Cody Cece, Justin Hall, uh, Marty Marinchin. Someone is going to have to up their physicality and make it tough to play in the Leafs' end. I think uh, out in front of the net, Muzzin does a pretty good job clearing the zone out in front of Anderson, making sure that no one gets in front of him to screen him, to tip pucks. Someone's going to have to take that. Someone's going to have to give some shots in the back and uh, and and get in some you know net front battles, uh, if you will. Um, assuming that's going to be on Marty Marincin to kind of step up uh, you know, in Muzzin's place. But it's, again, like I said earlier, it's going to have to be a team effort, and that just goes with the physicality. You're going to have to definitely, um, as a team, pick that up in both ends, offensive, the offensive end and in the defensive end. All right, uh, key number two. Again, this one's pretty cliche, but they got to get pucks to the net. You know, get some traffic out in front of Corpusallo, redirect pucks in type, be prepared to jump on those rebounds and get those second and third chance opportunities. You saw in last night's game, Edmonton ended up scoring, I think, all three of their goals um, from in tight off of rebounds, and it was just kind of just banging away and putting them up over the goaltender who was down and out after making the first couple of saves. I think if Toronto can do that, and if they can withstand being boxed out by this good defensive team in Columbus and get those opportunities, um, then I think that they stand a pretty good shot at, at, at getting a couple more goals. You know, I think they need to continue to penetrate Columbus's defensive front and keep getting into the slot. You know, you saw a lot more chances from the slot in Game 2 than you did in Game 1. Um, and, and those are just higher percentage of chances to score, right? Those are high danger chances when you're getting opportunities from that close um, in front of the net. So they can keep doing that and get themselves in there and get the puck inside um, and get puck straight to the net. I like their chances a lot more in this game than I than they did in game one. Um, so kind of play the same way that they did in game two, to be quite honest with you. If they can replicate game two, I like it. And in order to replicate game two, leads me to my third point, Freddie's got to keep it rolling. I think if Freddie Anderson keeps it going today, there's no doubt in my mind that the Maple Leafs come away with a 2-1 series lead because, um, you know, I, I just... Columbus doesn't have it in them to make it a, a track meet. And if Toronto goes out and they do their business and they come out and score in bunches and end up with, you know, three, four, five goals by the end of the night, Freddie Anderson keeps it rolling, shuts it down. No question the Maple Leafs are going to win this game. You know, he's coming off his first career shutout made 53 of 54 stops so far in this series they're going to need him to continue his strong play um and you know without muzzin I, I would expect for anderson to be tested a little bit more tonight as well than he was in game two you know only facing 20 shots there um so he'll he'll need to be on his a game a little bit more tonight than he was you know the first couple of games just because you know you are missing that that uh, stay-at-home shutdown defender who who uh, you know clears the net for you, get um, clears the garbage and uh, gets in front of pucks, blocks them. Uh, you know you're, you're missing that type of player, so he may have to uh, see a little bit more action tonight than he did in game two. But I think he's ready for it. You know he's he's a guy who's faced a lot of rubber throughout his career in Toronto. <clears throat> 
over the last five years, he's uh, among like the top three goaltenders, I think, in shots faced since coming to Toronto. So he's certainly going to be ready for it. Um, and I, I believe that he'll do it. Like, I think that Freddie can get it done. Is it possible that he lets in a couple of goals? Because, you know, like I said earlier, it's it's tough for, for goalies to put together a string of three amazing games. And to only allow one goal through three games would be quite a feat. Um, but I, I think that Freddie is he's in a mindset right now where he's almost he's midseason form, which is really exciting to see because it was something we were not expecting uh, coming into coming into the series. There was a lot of question marks on Freddie coming in because of the long layoff and how he's known to start awful in October. We were thinking, oh no, that could happen again here, but that has not been the case so far. He's been spectacular. He was great in Montreal, and he's been great in the first two games outside of that one muffin that he allowed on Cam Atkinson, which happened to be the game winner in game one. But regardless, um, he's been just perfect. Uh, so if he can keep that rolling, I like the Leafs' chances of getting this win once again and uh, getting a little bit closer to moving on to uh, round one of the playoffs, which, by the way, if the Leafs move on, and they end up getting, uh, they end up getting one of the teams. They have to get the top team. Like if if Pittsburgh ends up coming back and beats Montreal, which they're down two one now, uh, which is very surprising. Also, uh, Edmonton down two one. So both of the five seeds coming into uh, this qualifying round both down two one in their series, which is really interesting. But um, if Pittsburgh comes back and wins. And at Toronto ends up being the the, the final seed because it looks like the Islanders are also going to beat Florida. Um, so if, if they come back and they end up being the final seed, well, there's a chance that they could end up playing Boston is essentially what I'm saying here because Boston can't be the number one seed. So they could end up with the number two seed and get Boston. It really all depends on what ends up happening from here on out, to be quite honest with you. But Boston is still a possibility, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so my prediction for tonight, I think uh, I think the Leafs handle their business once again. I'm going to go with a 4-1 Leafs win. I think Freddie gets in there, does his thing. I think the team rallies behind Jake Muzzin's injury, and they really step up as a team. Um, I think Dermott's going to go up and play really well. You know, he's got a contract coming up this year. He's an RFA. He's got to go out and he's got to earn his money. And I think he'll do that uh, He'll do that throughout the series without Jake Muzzin. Um, he's going to have to, to be quite honest. He's, he's going to have to. So I think 4-1, Leafs win. Toronto takes a 2-1 series lead and then heads into game four tomorrow. So back-to-back games for game three and game four, and uh, they could be into the next round of the playoffs by the weekend. All right, that will do it for us here today on the podcast. Like, Thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast where me and four other Lockdown hosts discuss the latest news around the entire league. After this show, I'll be back with another episode. Tomorrow, we'll be recapping tonight's game, teeing up tomorrow's game. But until then... Keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.